following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Well, uh, let's pray before we dive into your word here. Um, God, we are again grateful for your word. It gives us everything that we need to know to, for life and godliness through the power of him who called us. By your own glory and goodness, you have given us everything we need. And Lord, as we open your word this morning, pray that your spirit would instruct us, uh, not just on how to live, but to remind us of your love for us. And what a blessing it is to be adopted as sons and daughters of the Father. We love you, Lord, and we look forward to hearing from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you fair warning. What you are about to hear is 100% hypocrisy. Just to be clear. Uh, Well, I hope that you know this already. (laughs) Because this is the case every time I preach. I want to say, do as I say. Uh, Not as I do quite so much. And that troubles me. Um, But anyway, I know that you already know that's true, but I wanted uh, to make sure that you knew that I knew also. Um, So we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4 this morning, uh, verses 4 through 7. And that's page, the number after 8. 982, thank you. In the Pew Bibles, page 982, Philippians 4. Four through seven, and I want to uh, consider one of the most wonderful and difficult to attain conditional promises of God. It's a little deeper theology than maybe you used to this morning. We talk about conditional promises. Um, so, to be clear, before we get too far, you need to understand what a conditional promise is. Um, do you know what a conditional promise is? Right. If and then. If you do this, then I will do that. Right? Um, That's what a conditional promise is. So I want to give you some examples, maybe, that to be helpful from Scripture. Um, The promise God the Father made to King Solomon is one that stuck out in my mind as I consider this. Um, It's a conditional promise the Father made to King Solomon when he finished building a temple. In, in uh, recorded in First Chronicles seven eleven through fourteen. Let me read that for you. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord, and the king's house. All that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, "I've heard your prayer, and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice." When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now we'll like this one, don't we? 
And we like to think it's about America too, don't we? But it's not. It's not. That's a discussion for another day. The Father says in verse 14, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. If and then. That's how you can tell it's a conditional promise. If you do this, then I will do that. If we keep reading in that same passage in the Chronicles, then we will see another conditional promise that has already been fulfilled. So we're going to do that so that we can. See how fun conditional promises are? Verse 15. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My heart, my eyes and my heart will be there for all time. <clears throat> and as for you, if you will walk before me as David your father walked, according to all that I have commanded you, and keep my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne as I have covenanted with David your father, saying you shall not lack a man to rule Israel. But if you turn aside and forsake my statutes and my commandments that I have set before you, and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will pluck you up from my land that I have given you, and this house that I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight, and I will make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And this house, which was exalted, everyone passing by will be astonished and say, Why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? Then they will say, Because they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, and laid hold on other gods, and worshipped them and served them. Therefore he has brought all this disaster on them. Do you know what stands on the place where that house was built now? The temple is gone. Not one stone left on another. What stands there now is a Muslim shrine. See how conditional promises work? If you turn away from me, then I will destroy this place. So, now we know how conditional promises work. So let's look at the one given for us in our text this morning. Let's see if you can pick it out. It's a little more challenging because there's no if and then. Hmm, you have to find them. After all, Old Testament was written in Hebrew and this is written in Greek. So maybe if and then. No, that was dumb. All right. Verse 4, Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I know it's tricky. There's no if and then. 
But can you see the conditional promise? There's more than one if, even though there's no ifs at all. If we rejoice in the Lord always, if we let our reasonableness be known to everyone, if by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving we make our requests known to God, then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Sound easy, doesn't it? Sound equitable? We get a pretty good deal. Yet somehow, our hearts seem to be missing that whole surpassing peace of God. Oh, well, mine does. I can't speak for you. I had a conversation with a friend this week. Really struggle. Long time. Struggle with mental health problems. Post-traumatic stress disorder and... uh, I can't remember the technical word, but multiple personality syndrome, whatever it's called now. And struggle with a lot of pain. And he kept mm, begging God to take away his pain. Let me be happy for just three days a year. That's all I want. Make my pain stop. Please. And this. And he said, every time I heard nothing, nothing, nothing. I begged God, help me, and I get nothing. Take away my pain. And I said, what a wonderful miracle that every time God answers your prayer. He said, what are you talking about? I said, he answered your prayer every time. It's just that the answer was no. But he still answered. St. Augustine said, Pray as though everything depended on good, and work as though everything depended on you. This is a perfect example of how that works out. Paul says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. <laughs> I've, you know, I really struggle with this. Because I don't think that this really looks like what we want it to look like. Rejoice in the Lord. Just skip around like a giddy idiot. There's no problems in the world and smile so people see Jesus on your face. No wonder we struggle. Well, that's the, this, in order to truly be a Christian, follow Christ, you have to have a smile on your face. You can't ever be sad. You can't ever get upset. You have to rejoice in the Lord always. If you're not doing that, I think that's ridiculous. I think rejoicing is a whole lot more than just pretending nothing's wrong with you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So who does the rejoicing? Obviously the super saints, right? Not just normal people like us. Wrong. The church, this is a command. 
Rejoice. It's imperative. Do it. The church does the rejoicing. So the command is to rejoice in the Lord. And Paul Paul says it again for emphasis. Actually, he says that he's going to say it again for emphasis. Rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again. Rejoice. Why? (laughs) Because we need to hear it again. But how does one actually rejoice in the Lord? I think this is where uh, the church does itself a disservice by just putting this on a coffee cup and on an inspirational calendar. Doesn't it sound like a Hallmark card? Rejoice in the Lord always. Forget about all your troubles. The Greek word for rejoice means to enjoy a state of happiness or well-being, to be glad. Well, that's nice. But what's more important is the meaning of the word that's translated in. Rejoice in the Lord. Um, It's actually a much more wordy translation, but uh, the meaning of the rest of this and the... uh, the meaning of the rest of the passage really hinges on this word, in. And this, uh, the Greek word, I'll impress you with this. You can tell this to your friends. The Greek word for in is uh, in. I know. You can say, I know a little Greek. You want to hear it? In. It means in. In. <clears throat> Yep, remember that giddy idiot part? Yeah. To rejoice in the Lord means to be happy that you belong to the Lord. To be happy and enjoy your state of well-being because you are connected to God Almighty. Because you belong to Him. That, that in is so small. Even in Greek, two letters. But our belonging to the Lord should be a, a, a wellspring of happiness for us. Why do we rejoice in the Lord? Why do we smile in the face of difficulty? Because we belong to the Lord. That makes sense of the struggle. I praise God for your prayer that doesn't say, just fix your problem, but rather, your will be done. All too often we are burdened by the shame of doing what we shouldn't or guilt of not doing what we should. But the command here is to be happy that we belong to Christ. We can take comfort in that, that we belong to Christ. That means whatever we struggle with, He's involved. Everything that puts pressure on us and puts pain in our hearts, He is there and He is at work. And we can take comfort in that. Finding happiness, finding peace and tranquility, or sense of well-being in anything else is fleeting and fading. It's like new car smell. It's great when you first get that new car. And then you let the people in it. And there it goes. It's gone. Only finding joy in our connection to the Lord is what John Calvin called settled joy. 
meaning happiness and tranquility that cannot be taken from us. It's the only thing that can't be taken from us. Your home, your family, your job, your friends, everything can be taken from you. Everything. Except for your connection to the Lord Jesus Christ through faith in Him. Do you wake up every morning glad that you belong to Jesus? Have you ever thought of it that way? Is it first thought? Peel the eyes open. I'm so glad I belong to Jesus today. That's not usually my first thought. Oh, not again another day. If the source of our feelings of well-being is our connection to the Lord and not the circumstances around us, we can trust that no matter what happens to us throughout the course of our lives, that connection will never be severed and the events surrounding us are inconsequential in comparison to our connection to the Lord. Find your well-being in your connection to the Lord. I'm going to say it again. You belong to Jesus. Find your happiness in that. Doesn't it sound like if we do that, if we shift our thinking to that way, that we will have a certain amount of peace in our hearts? Well, that's weird. If you rejoice in the Lord, then... hmm. Coincidental, isn't it? Verse 5 says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. That's a word you use every day in conversation, isn't it? Reasonableness. This again reinforces the idea that how we interact with the people around us and how we react to our circumstances has such power in sharing the gospel. When the people interact with you, is what they hear about your circumstances lean a little bit more towards complaining? Maybe. Now, to let our reasonableness be known to everyone doesn't mean that we go around telling people how reasonable we are. Wear a t-shirt. Reasonable. Or the reasonablest. (laughs) People will know the moderation of our spirit because we're not easily moved by our circumstances and not easily annoyed by adversity. That's the command here. That's a part of the promise. The truth is that our peaceful conduct in all circumstances is the fruit of finding our well-being in our connection to the Lord. Do you complain more when you understand that whatever difficulty you're facing is from the Lord? Like, when things go wrong, in your view, when you find your happiness and contentment and well-being in your connection to Jesus, you trust Him, right? And you can trust that whatever you're facing, He's at work in it. Our peaceful conduct in all circumstances, our reasonableness, is the fruit of finding our well-being in our connection to the Lord. 
So we can confidently say, as it says in Psalm 27.1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Every circumstance, every person, every power in this world is nothing compared to the Lord our God. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Not me. Not my cleverness. My charm and my wit. The things that I depend on to get through this life. I'm living proof that can be taken. Something smaller than the point of a pin can take that from you. Do you know that? It is when those around us witness our confidence in the Lord Jesus in the face of difficulty and trial that our witness is the loudest and most clear. Again, verses 5 and 6. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Again, uh, quote John Calvin. He said, Here we have a most beautiful sentiment from which we learn in the first place that ignorance of the providence of God is the cause of all impatience and that this is the reason why we are so quickly and on trivial accounts thrown into confusion and often too become disheartened because we do not recognize the fact that the Lord cares for us. On the other hand, we learn that this is the only remedy for tranquility tranquilizing our minds when we rest unreservedly in his providential care as knowing that we are not exposed either to the rashness of fortune or to the caprice of the wicked but are under the regulation of God's fatherly care in fine the man that is in possession of this truth that God is present with him has what he may rest upon with security Amen to that. So much of our anxiety, our worry, and our fear is based on the fact that in reality, we see God as far off. How far removed is the crucifixion of Christ? How far removed from us is His resurrection? I'll tell you the truth, it's not far. It just seems that way to us sometimes. We see God our Father as far off as unable or sometimes unwilling to help us when nothing, nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. Psalm 145, 14 and 19 says, The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them food in their due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. 
Philippians says, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It's tempting to, to give a seminar on how to pray now. This word means this, and this word means this, and this word means this, and if we follow this formula, everything will be fine. Hmm. Do you know what prayer really is? If we be honest? Sure. In Yes, you're just talking to God. But what are you declaring? What are you saying by praying? What you are saying is you are absolutely powerless. We are absolutely powerless. I think maybe that's a big piece of our problem. We think we have power when we don't. But when we find our happiness in connection to the one who does, we bring our request to him. Anxiety and worry proceed from our desire to control things that we can't control. Do you know that? And I don't say that as though I read a book on it once, and so it must be true. Anxiety is real. Anxiety is real and depression is real. It's not imaginary. But it stems from a desire to control things that you can control. Worry proceeds not only from our desire to control things that we can control, but also from the distrust in God our Father and His plan. We don't trust that he's in control either. But prayer, the admission of powerlessness, flows from trust in the Lord. Trust that he is near and ready to help. That we are powerless, but he is powerful. So, if we find our connection to the Lord Jesus through faith to be the source of our true happiness and well-being. If we allow our trust in the Lord to govern our reaction to our circumstances, if we let go of our need for control and embrace our powerlessness in the face of God's power and His desire to be involved in our every circumstance by pouring our hearts out to Him in prayer, then... Look at verse 7. Then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I wonder if you're like me and need a little peace this morning. I don't say any of these things to you because I have this figured out. Be like me and you'll be fine. <laughs> Be like me, you'll be a mess, just like I am. I already told you, this is 100% hypocrisy from me. The truth is, the conditional promise is that if we truly will, if we will truly trust in the Lord, if we trust Him to be the source of our well-being, 
if we trust him to be at work in our circumstances, if we trust him to hear and answer our prayers and petitions, even when the answer is no, then we will have peace that we can understand. Peace that doesn't make sense. Peace when the world around us is fall apart. Inexplicable peace that guards our hearts and our minds, that keeps us from turning back or turning away from the Lord. A peace that reinforces our trust in the Lord and His grace. That's the kind of peace I want. Don't you? Well, good news. At least you know how to get it. Let's pray. Father, first of all, we need to understand that in order to find our happiness and our connection to you, we must be connected to you. That only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his death on our behalf and his resurrection from the dead, only then can we truly be connected to you. Father, for those of us who have given our lives to you today or yesterday or long ago we still need to know your peace we have peace with you but we still have conflict in our hearts we still have fear and doubt and anxiety worry I pray Father we would embrace this symbol formula that if we find our peace and our connection to you, find our happiness in knowing that we belong to you, if we admit that we are powerless over our circumstances, but we know that you are in control, and we don't have to be shaken by everything that goes, around, goes on around us because we know that you are at work, if we do these things, then we will have your peace. Lord, I cannot do that without your help. None of us can. So I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in our hearts. That you would rearrange our furniture and change the things that need to be changed so that our trust is in you, our happiness is in you, our fulfillment and our joy is in you. Not in our circumstances, not in our relationships, not in our prosperity, but in you and our connection to you. Your word says, What profits a man to gain the whole world but forfeits his soul? I pray that what would be most important is that our souls are restored, that we are saved, born again through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and everything else is trivial. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.